Well, this morning, if you will turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27, I'm going to be reading to you the first 26 verses of chapter 27, but I'm going to begin reading in chapter 26 and verse um, 29, just to set the context a little bit. We're still going through the life of the Apostle Paul in these sermons, which has personally been very profitable to me to see more deeply into the way that he lived his life before God, the many things that he was able to do uh, for the glory and the furtherance of Christ's kingdom, his person and his kingdom, uh, and the many things that... um, He suffered at the hands of men uh, along the way uh, in his journey to heaven. Because by the end of this book, we won't see him martyred, but we'll see him left there in Rome where he would be martyred after this book was written. And uh, glory be to God, he finished well. And uh, we see that even this text we're looking at today shows us that Uh, in that he told all the men that he was uh, with on the ship that was going to be shipwrecked that they ought to take heart because he believed in God. And so should they, and so should we. So let's uh, bow together for prayer before I begin to speak to you. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the way that the book of Acts leads us through uh, the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, focuses on him. Uh, because he was in so many ways a pattern to us in terms of the way that we would live our Christian life, not as apostle, an apostle, certainly, but as a believer uh, in you. And so we pray that today we would learn those things which Paul was learning by the Spirit's working in his heart, uh, how he should speak and how he should live in this most difficult situation that he faced with these many people on this ship that he was on. Bless us, we pray in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 29, Paul says to Agrippa, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. And when he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramidium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia, 
and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off of Snittus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmane, and passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. And so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them, and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. But now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as was told me. So in this message, I want to speak to you about how Paul believed God in regard to everything that God told him while he was in the most uncertain and dangerous of situations. He says in verse 25, Take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. And I want you to see that all of these things that happened to Paul were taking place in relation to his personally fulfilling his ministry to Christ. Therefore, Paul sought to encourage himself and the other people around him by speaking of his faith in God. 
It was always his hope that somehow by the power of the Lord's working that they might also trust in Christ. There are many Christians for whom this is a very difficult thing. That is to continue to believe God and his word when many things are not going the way that they would like them to go. And so I want to show you from this passage that if you are a Christian, that God is always watching over you for your good. And he is always going to be faithful to you to fulfill his good purposes and promises in your life. Yours is to trust him and to learn the life of faith. And as you trust him, he will prove to you that he has plans for you which are for your good. In difficult times, you should continue to hold fast to his word. Well, may the Lord give us grace to live the life of faith and to fulfill our own personal ministry. First of all, let's think about our trusting God with providentially ordering all the details of our life. Verses 1 to 3. So Paul had appealed to Caesar in order to vindicate himself before these wicked Jews and the Roman authorities that he was doing nothing wrong in relation to any man. He was preaching Christ. And preaching Christ, by the way, is the best calling that a man can ever have if he believes in the providence of God. Here Paul had this great opportunity to preach Christ before King Agrippa and his wife Bernice and the governor Festus. And in listening to him, they didn't believe in Christ. I hope that you'll notice this. This was part of Paul's commission that he would be able to preach before governors and kings. And yet when he did, they didn't believe in Christ. But in listening to him, they did believe in his innocence. They're not receiving Christ, I want you to see, did not deter Paul from continuing on in the ministry. He knew what we should know, that ours is to be faithful to preach and to share the gospel of Christ and to do God's will according to his word, and then we leave the results with him. Agrippa and Festus did believe in Paul's innocence, and they knew that he could have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar, but this too was according to the providence of God. Now, God's providence is his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing of all of his creatures and all of their actions, it says in question 11 of the Shorter Catechism. Paul's decision to appeal to Caesar was governed by God's purposes for his life. All the important decisions that you and I make are also governed by God's holy and wise purpose for our life. Paul's having appealed to Caesar would allow him to completely fulfill his ministry, which the Lord Jesus had given to him. Now, you'll remember how it was that when Paul was first apprehended by the Jews in the temple, that they had nearly killed him. 
At that time, the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar that Paul, the man who preached salvation in Christ, was there. And the people ran together and they seized Paul and they dragged him out of the temple and they began beating him because they thought that he was destroying their religion. And according to God's providential ordering and will, a Roman commander was informed of this, and he came and rescued Paul from the mob. And this led to Paul's being able to address all of them on the barracks stairs. They listened to him relate his testimony of how Christ had saved him and commissioned him to preach, but when he spoke to them of how he was converted to Christ, that he had returned to Jerusalem and was praying there that Christ had spoken to him and told him to get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they would not receive his testimony concerning Christ. And the mob had listened to him up to that point. But when Paul related that the Lord was going to send him far away to the Gentiles, they said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he's not fit to live. And all this uproar led to Paul's being held in custody by the Roman authorities. But in Acts 23:11 it says, but on the following night the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now it's interesting that these are somewhat similar words to what we find Paul using in our text here in Acts 27. 25, therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. So Paul was exercising faith in God's word to him. I'm trying to show you in every situation that he found himself in. And the Lord wanted him to be of good cheer. I want to stop and pause here and just ask if this is the way that you are. In the most difficult of your circumstances, when things don't appear to be going the way that you want them to go, can you still be of good cheer? Can you still receive this word of the Lord that you believe God, that all of his promises are faithful and true? So Paul was exercising faith in God's word to him in every situation that he found himself in, and he was going to be of good cheer. And I'm saying this is what God is calling for from us as well, even though we do not have direct revelation from God in his speaking to us in an audible voice like Paul did, yet he gives us promises in his word that you and I, we must lay hold of and we must believe if we are going to glorify him in our personal life and ministry. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Be strong and be of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He is the one who goes before you. He is the one who will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed, Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. So things have been very difficult for Paul all through this situation. I think that sometimes we read these scriptures and we don't realize just what Paul went through 
in that time period. Ever since he went to the temple to try to show the Jews his love for God's law and for their salvation. That's what he was trying to prove to them. And yet not only did they reject him in that, but they went on to almost beat him to death before he was rescued. And then they opposed him strenuously all the way through that time period that he was being imprisoned. So that he actually had to spend years in jail, years being incarcerated, just because they didn't want to receive his witness. I'm saying that things were going to be just as difficult in the future for him as they were in the past. But he would be of good cheer. Do you see that? Will you be of good cheer when you want to do God's will at every point in your life? When you want to fulfill your personal ministry that you have, will you believe, will you remember to believe in his word to you according to the gift that God has given to you and the purpose that he has for your life in particular? Will you not remember to believe God that he will preserve you, that he will guide you. Remember that God is ordering all things together for your good, even through the circumstances that you are going through. Now, those circumstances may be very bleak and even, humanly speaking, bad, but God will be with you. Be of good cheer. And he will bring you encouragements along the way. So in Acts 27, 1 of our text, it says, And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramidium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, and Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. How very wonderful, my brethren, this was that all through this episode that Paul was about to go through on the ship, that God would be so ordering it that he should have both Luke and Aristarchus go with him in it. These brethren no doubt believed that this was what God should have them to do personally, to support Paul in his ministry at this stage. They desired to encourage him. They desired to strengthen him in any way that they could to fulfill his ministry. Now, I wonder, dear brethren, whether you think about this yourself. God has called some men to be apostles and prophets and some to be pastor-teachers. Their ministry is for Christ's kingdom and for the furtherance of it. Will you pray about what your part is to help your pastor in his ministry? If God has called him to the ministry, then God also has particular things that he wants to accomplish through his ministry in relation to the word that he preaches and the witness that he bears and the community that he's trying to reach for Jesus Christ. Will you not pray about how you can help him in this regard? Stand with him in the difficulties that the Lord leads him into and through. This is what the church, the body of Christ, this local church, 
is called to do. What is the purpose of this? Well, the purpose of this is to show how much we love Christ and how much we love each other. Together, we show forth the glory of Christ and his great salvation, and we preach and share the gospel to as many people as the Lord would have us to be able to reach. And you know something? The Lord is going to providentially order all the circumstances in regard to this. And he will be looking at us to see whether we really believe his word and whether we are really making the most of our opportunities to do what we can to promote the truth of Christ, his glory, and his kingdom to this community. So we see here in verse 2 that they entered a ship of Adramidium and they put out to sea and the next day they landed at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. Do you notice that? That this is another providential ordering of God meant to encourage Paul that he was on the right track. Friendship between the brethren of Christ is a very needful thing to the fulfillment of any ministry, but especially the gospel ministry. Paul received the love and care of these friends who encouraged him in what he was doing. And no doubt, they prayed together and they talked together about many spiritual and practical things of how the gospel of Christ could go forward even in these awkward and difficult situations. This was another token for good to Paul. And it confirmed to Paul that he was doing right in going forward to whatever the Lord would have for him in the future in terms of the dangers that he would encounter in preaching the gospel. And so we too, my brethren, ought to trust in God's providential ordering of all the details in our lives. Second, I want to speak to you now about trusting God when other people do not listen to your advice. It says in verse 5, of our text that they sailed from there and they came to Myra, a city of Lycia, and the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy and he put them on board it. So they sailed slowly, it says here, for many days from that place and they arrived, it says, with difficulty off Snittus. The wind did not permit them to proceed. And passing Crete with difficulty, it says in verse 8, they came to a place called Fair Haven near the city of Lycia. And in verse 9, it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast, the fast was already over, that is the fast of the Jews for the Day of Atonement, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Now, Paul was saying that from his own human perception, but he also knew that he should say that according to the Spirit's working in his heart as well. 
So this statement of Paul's in verse 9 is called his advice to them. It says in the King James that he admonished them. The word in this case means to warn or to reprove them with mildness. It means to instruct, that he was instructing them concerning a mistake that they might make in judgment. So Paul was advising the centurion and the helmsman and the owner of the ship that they ought not to undertake this sea voyage at this point in the year. A winter was coming on. And it's going to produce blustery winds and waves. And Paul gave this advice based upon his own understanding and experience of the weather at this point in the year. But I'm trying to show you also that because as an apostle he was receiving direct revelation from God, he knew the motion of the Spirit to his mind, that God was directing him to give them this advice for their own sakes as well as his. And so we should always be thinking of the welfare of people around us as Christians. We should not think to ourselves, well, whatever is going to be is going to be. Knowing and understanding the providence of God is not like that. Believing in God's providence is not believing in blind fate. It's rather understanding that Although it is God who brings all kinds of different weather to accomplish his purposes among men, that nevertheless he expects us to be wise in what we do in relation to all different kinds of weather, the weather that he providentially orders every day for us. Paul was advising them, not to sail, even though he certainly wanted to go to Rome. God had shown him that their going ahead on this journey would end with the disaster of shipwreck and much loss. They would lose not only their cargo and the ship, but also their own lives if they didn't listen to him in this regard. Well, what should we do as Christians then when we are forced to be in situations where we know that it's not good to press on ahead with our goal of going somewhere and doing something for the Lord. And there are others who are in authority in that situation who will not listen to us. Well, if we're forced to go, compelled to go, we should understand that the Lord will be with us. Even so, the majority, it says in verse 12, advised to set sail. Majority opinions on what God will do with the weather are not always good. But God was going to overrule this disaster for good for Paul. And actually for all who were with him because it would be a great opportunity for Paul to witness to them. Verse 12 says that because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there Also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. But in, uh, uh, it goes on to say then, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete, 
But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. But so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, it says, we let her drive. And in verse 18, it says, and because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Sometimes in our experience, people in authority over us will not listen to the sound advice that we will give to them. What should we do? Well, we should trust God that he will be working his good will for us, even though we are going through the most fearful of circumstances. Let me ask if you can do this. Dear Christian, will you believe God, as Paul is saying here, unless you are being asked to engage in something which is morally wrong, you should understand that you should trust that God will be providentially leading you in relation to all the difficulties of your life. Why? Because he has ordained them all. His sovereign working and discernment, even so, takes place over all the sins and mistakes which people make. Now, I hope that you understand this. Even though their sins and mistakes do not in any way proceed from him. Yet in relation to them all, he will be preserving you to his heavenly kingdom. And he will be guiding you through this life. And then third, I want to speak to you about how to help and how to encourage hopeless people. Verse 20 says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So we need to remember, dear brethren, that God controls every aspect of the weather that you and I experience. The person who will not believe in God will ultimately be a very hopeless person. Verse 21 of our text, but after long abstinence, that means they went without food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. But I want you to see that Paul wasn't simply saying this to triumph over their mistakes in judgment. He truly loved them as he knew that Christ would want him to love them. It says in verse 22, and now I urge you to take heart. He's addressing all of them. And by the way, we'll see this in the next time I preached to you. It was was well over 200 people who were on this ship, if you can imagine. That's how big the ship was. I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must be brought before Caesar. By the way, that's the big issue in all of this, that Paul makes it to Rome. Do you see it? (laughs) For the kingdom of God's sake. Oh, we'll see that as we go on here. But it was also for the sake of all of these dear people who were on this ship. They were going to live. They were going to survive the awful shipwreck that was coming. So Paul says, do not be afraid. Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, watch the language here. God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. He's addressing them all. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. That's how definite God's speaking to him was through this angel or by the Spirit. It was that definite. He, he knew what was going to happen because he was a prophet as well as a teacher among the, the Gentiles and the children of Israel. So we need to see some things about this. We, we need to see that all that we have in this life is something which has been granted to us by God. Do you see that, dear Christian? Often God will bless even the ungodly and wicked people around us because of us or some other one of his saints, just like it was here with Paul and his traveling companions, so that he might be able to fulfill his ministry and they be able to hear the gospel. It doesn't say here that Paul preached Christ to them, interestingly. But he did preach faith to them. And he did tell them to take heart that he believed that it would be just as it was told to him. So certainly if the apostle could tell these men to take heart, even so, you and I ought to be able to tell sinners around us. We ought to desire to tell sinners around us of how because of one man, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they can be brought to heaven safely. You see, these, these men that Paul was speaking to, they'd lost all hope of being saved physically and being brought to dry land safely. But Paul's word of encouragement to them was that they ought to take heart, that he had believed God's word to him just as it was told to him. And we should do the same thing, brethren, when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances and there are unbelieving people watching us. Even in their unbelief, and even though they think that they have no hope, it will be our privilege to serve Christ by our telling them that we ourselves believe God. And perhaps they too will believe. Well, let's pray together. We thank you for this passage, O Lord. And we thank you for all the truths which we find in it of how much you are in control of so many aspects of our life which we commonly take for granted. 
our everyday life that you uphold us and keep us in. And all the blessings of our salvation and all the weather that we are in and all the people that you surround us with that you would have us to minister to. Oh, Lord, help us to take to heart all these good truths that I have preached to your people here today. Help them to take heart themselves and to believe you, to believe in all your promises, all your purposes are good and sure and right and loving for all of your people. And help us to live in light of these things, even in the worst of situations, like the apostle did. We pray and we ask these things in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.